1: All right, and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy,
0: and I am your other co-host, Mister Donnie Cage. Ah, there he is! There he is on this beautiful Friday. How's it going, my friend? It's going well. How's it going for you?
1: Oh, I if you know, if I got paid for complaining, I'd be rich. So I better not complain. Hey folks, so if this is your first time tuning in, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. We're on all major platforms, including Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple, and the list goes on. We do drop new episodes here every Monday and Friday. Also, if you ever want to be a guest on the show or have any questions for Donnie or myself, you can always reach us at O-L, Kentucky spelled out oldkentucky99 at yahoo.com. Mr. K, do you want to tell everybody
0: about Uncaged Voice? Yes, uh, we are actually coming back this weekend with a brand new episode of the Uncaged Voice podcast. It'll be myself, top tier Brian and Jigsaw Jester. But if you want to check out all of our existing episodes, you can go to our official YouTube page. And again, that's the Uncaged Voice podcast.
1: Yeah, be sure to check them out, guys, and uh, show them some love. Uh, They do very good work. Also, if you like to stay up on current events, news, uh, listen to different types of interviews and things of that nature, uh, you can always check out the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Uh, We've had some interesting guests. Uh, The November month of the stars was successful. I was actually on two different shows yesterday from former folks that were guests on the show. We drop new episodes on the uh, Current News Podcast every Wednesday and Saturday, so be sure to check that out. Also, just a quick announcement here. Friday will be our or, sorry, not Friday. Today's Friday. Monday, Monday, December 19th, that will be our Christmas show. Uh Donnie and I have agreed that uh we've got a lot of stuff going on. So for that weekend, so what we're going to do just to make it up for not having a show, and by the way, it looks like uh it looks like to me Donnie will probably be returning on the 30th. Does that sound right to you? on that Friday, the following Friday?
0: Sounds about right, Kentucky guy.
1: All right. Uh, At first, I was going to say no, 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 because I thought it was New Year's Eve, but it's not. It's New Year's Eve Eve. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, so we'll be returning uh, December 30th, and we'll do a show then, and then we'll probably take that Monday off for New Year's to recover, and then uh, we'll be back with a new episode starting out the brand-new year on January 6th. But anyway, so to caveat what I was saying. We are going to give you guys a special treat. It was actually uh Donnie came up with it. I think it's a fantastic idea. And basically Donnie will have he's going to pick his top ten worst and his top ten in his opinion and his top ten best tag teams of all time. And then I'm going to do the same without discussing uh with him and we're going to see how that thing goes. So I think it should be a lot of fun. a lot of uh, you know, we'll and we'll do other things as well. So be sure to tune in on Monday's Christmas special show. All right, so let's get into today's episode. Uh, And we'll start off the episode, like always, my fantasy booking. This is one of my favorite segments of the show. Uh, Basically, Mr. Cage come up with this. We pick a athlete, a wrestler, no matter which promotion that they were in or currently in or what have you. And we talk about how that promotion that they failed in If they would have booked it a little bit different, made a little bit of tweaks, their career could have been completely different, at least with that promotion. And you guys notice I'm saying promotion a lot because that has a lot to do with my pick this week. (laughs) So, uh, Mr. Cage, we'll let you go ahead and get started, sir.
0: Thank you, Kentucky guy. I want to rewind back to the year 2002. It was the fall of that year in the WWE. We were pretty much entering the ruthless aggression era. Now, with the attitude era was kind of wrapping up. Uh, so we had a lot of new rising stars in the company. You still had guys like Steve Austin, The Rock were sort of around. But this was also your your time when guys like Triple H were becoming more popular. You had Brock Lesnar during his first run with the company. And you also had a gentleman come in at Survivor Series 2002, which was the which was the historic debut of the Elimination Chamber. But he made his debut that night and it was Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner. Now this guy, I don't even need to tell you his accolades in uh, wrestling, because he had been a multiple-time tag team champion in every promotion he went to. New Japan Pro Wrestling, WCW, uh, even WWF in the early 90s. He had been a United States champion, a world television champion, and a... World heavyweight champion in WCW, he actually was the second to last WCW champion before the company officially closed down in 2001. And he gets acquired, he gets signed by WWE in 2002. This is after the invasion angle was over was over, and that night at Survivor Series, they pretty much botched his debut from the beginning because he shows up and he attacks Chris Nowinski and Matt Hardy. And he gets a big pop from the crowd. There's no question about it. They're excited to see him. He cuts a short promo, says, Big Papa pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear me and all that classic stuff. And over the next month or so, he jumps back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. And both Eric Bischoff and Stephanie McMahon try to get him to sign with their respective brand. He ultimately signs with Raw when Stephanie McMahon basically uh, basically you know rebuffs him when he makes ro- when he makes romantic uh, advances towards her so he ends up on raw he starts getting booked as a fan favorite in a world title feud against Triple H he and Triple H had two of the worst world title matches in it, at that at that point in time in WWE history at the Royal Rumble and no way out. Scott Steiner continued to be booked terribly while he was in WWE. He was in a tag team with Test for a brief period of time. Uh, he he left the company by Royal Rumble 2004. I think that was his last pay-per-view and one of his last appearances. But first of all, why you would book him as a fan favorite at that point in his career, when we know he should be a cocky, malicious heel, which is what he was the last few years of his career in WCW. And honestly, I would not have put him on the same brand as Triple H because Triple H was the top heel in the company at the time and was the leader of Evolution. Put him on SmackDown. Make him a top heel on that brand. Possibly you could have even given him the WWE title at some point, and he could have had some great feuds with some of the top baby faces that were on that brand at the time, like Brock Lesnar when he was a babyface, like Kurt Angle. Sit so many other guys, we could have, we could have seen him feud with The Rock a little bit. There were just so many endless possibilities, and they just totally botched his whole run. And I, I was actually pretty shocked that he came back to the WWE last year to be an indu- inducted in the Hall of Fame along with Rick Steiner. But be that as it may, Scott Steiner had a great career. Yeah, he was kind of a controversial figure, but you can't deny that the man had had a ton of charisma and a ton of in ring talent. And he was greatly misused by WWE.
1: Uh, yeah, I, you know, I've always been a Steiner fan. Uh, back when they were the uh, Steiner brothers, Big Papa Pump, like I uh, loved the character when he first came out in WCW. He was such a such a historic figure when he was tag team with his brother Rick Steiner, and Big Papa Pump when they first started out. They did the right thing in WCW. However, towards the end of, uh, WCW, they kind of made him become this character that he still portrays today. This off the hinge kind of cringe character. And you're absolutely right. You cannot take someone who has, you've already built this persona around their character. I don't care if they do come to, a, 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 another company, <laughs> If you're going to keep the same name, you're going to keep the same ha- hairstyle, basically everything, the same entrance and everything, you can't just automatically think that they're going to become a babyface. This guy was a heel and he was a great heel in WCW and that's what he has known for. This is not somebody that they pulled out of the indies to put on the WWE to try to change completely like they do so many times in NXT and what have you today this is somebody who was well known on your biggest competitor. One of the reasons the NWO that your competitor beat you for so many weeks during that time frame, he's one of the reasons he was right there from the start on the NWO. So I think it's a fantastic pick. I think they really, really dropped the ball. I think WCW, you know, they did right by Scott Steiner until towards the end. They, they, it kind of made him kind of a joke at the end, and I didn't care for that. Of course, that company was going out of business, and we can talk about why they went out of business all day long. They made so many errors of that nature. But you're right. Vince McMahon and the WWE absolutely dropped the ball on Scott's um, Big Papa Pump when he came to the WWE. They had a massive opportunity, a former world champion, so many times former tag team champion. So, yep, I... Uh, I Really, really agree with your pick on this episode, sir. All right, so let's get into my pick this week. My My pick is, uh, there's a story behind it, why that they didn't work out, and we're going to get into that. Uh, I promise myself I'm not going to take too long on this, but this is, a lot of people don't know the backstory to this. They just automatically, when they hear this name, they, ah, he was a drug addict, you know, and they chalk it up. Uh, This is a former wrestler. He's still in the business. He's not a wrestler anymore. Hasn't been for a very long time. But my fantasy booking this week is Arleon Smith Jr., better known as Jake the Snake Robber. And he is currently signed with the All Elite Wrestling, where he's a manager for Lance Armstrong or Lance Archer. What I wanted to talk about, basically, was his horrible run and how he was treated in WCW. He was a massive name in the WWF. He, he did everything you could do. He had some of the most controversial and well-known rivals and feuds throughout his time with the WWF. And basically, he did it all except win a championship. And that really doesn't matter because if you mention the name, Jake the Snake Roberts, even a non-wrestling fan knows that name. He was synonymous with bringing a snake to the ring. So uh, Andre the Giant, uh, I remember when they, he had a heart attack. Just so many memories this guy's created. Yes, he does have some demons, and we'll get to that. So he was upset. He got upset with Vince McMahon, and he wanted out of his contract. He'd already talked and made a deal with WCW before WrestleMania. However, he didn't sign anything because at that time, you know, he, everybody would have been in trouble. And basically, he held up the show. He was facing The Undertaker, who had only wrestled one WrestleMania before then. And we all know about the undefeated uh, streak for The Undertaker. And basically, before going out there, Jake the Snake was upset because the first Intercontinental Champion, he was a writer for WWF. He was injured and put on leave. And out of respect for him, Pat Patterson is his name. Out of respect for Pat, Vince McMahon did not fill that spot. Well, Jake the Snake felt that he was promised that spot as a writer. And therefore, if they weren't going to put him there, he wanted out of his contract. So basically, he told Vince, I'm not going out here to WrestleMania. I'm not going out. This is right before right before the <laughs> the match. I'm not going out unless you promise me and write it down that you'll let me out of my contract after this pay-per-view. And, you know, Vince was under the gun, so he had to do it, and he did. And actually, if you go watch that pay-per-view, Jake Roberts went out there, and he really sold The Undertaker as being this dominant. Like, he didn't just rush through the match. He did a very good job of putting The Undertaker over. So once that's said and done, and he's headed to WCW, he signed to, in 1992, a massive deal with the, at that time, President Kip. Fryer. He was offered a multi million dollar deal, and all he had to do was wait for his 90 day no compete contract to expire. Now, here's how life can get you. On the 87th day, waiting for that 90 day to expire, Fryer was replaced by Bill Watts. Watts still had a legitimate grudge against Jake the Snake Roberts due to their time together in Mid-South Wrestling. Watts reduced Jake's reported $3.5 million deal to a measly $200,000. Having already burned bridges with the WWF, there was really nowhere else for Jake the Snake Roberts to go or to turn to. Then after attacking Sting multiple times, and he actually won a four-on-four elimination tag match, at Clash of the Champions, where Roberts scored the pin victory over String, and their match was set for Halloween Havoc 1992, their one-on-one match. And this is just... uh, Let me show you the poor booking here. So, this match was held under spin the wheel, make the deal rules. It's a roulette wheel. uh, (laughs) The roulette wheel was not rigged, and both wrestlers legitimately had no idea which match stipulation they would have. So this is, and we in we're all adults here. We know that wrestling, they they plan out everything. However, for this match right here, under Bill Watts's command, they did not rig this wheel. They just let the, let it go where it went. So it landed on what many still believe to this day was the worst option on the wheel, and that's the coal miners' glove match. <laughs> which is stupid in this match, a loaded glove with metal wrapped uh, around the knuckles as hoisted on top of a pole for a wrestler to collect and to finally use as a weapon. The coal miners, uh, glove is Let's see. So Sting and Jake, they face off at Halloween havoc. The coal miners glove is hoisted on the pole before Sting and Jake. Uh, they face off the match itself was generally regarded as a 10 minute drag a shame given to two competitors involved. This pole hovered 15 feet over the turnbuckle, uh, making trying to climb it difficult and unsafe. The match was also billed as a non-sanction, so there were no disqualifications for common WCW uh, illegitimate lease, such as throwing an uh, opponent over the top rope, throwing an opponent into the ring, post or hitting a top rope diving attack. The Bill Watts era also ushered in a time of no outside mats, adding more real danger to this match. I mean, this guy's crazy. Okay. The ending came when Sting hit Roberts with the miner's glove, knocking Roberts to the mat as he tried to keep his own snake from biting him, which if you go watch that match, and I I pulled up a clip of it, it's kind of ridiculous because you can tell, uh, Jake, the snake, was trying to get the, the snake to actually bite him. However, the snake did bite Roberts after the match. You could see the fangs digging into Roberts' face uh, with blood and flowing out. And they did have anti-Cobra venom was available at ringside. So, therefore, and we know Jake's still living. So, so anyways, Dave Meltzer gave the match a 0.25 out of five stars. <laughs> After this pay per view loss, Jake the Snake was set to face Dusty Rhodes in the first round of a King of Cable tournament, but he left the company before this could go down. And who could blame him? So he, and basically his reasoning for leaving the company was personal demons. He checked into rehab. However, and I have quote statements here from. From Jake the Snake. My time in WCW. Didn't last long because of Bill Watts. And his great thinking. That it would be better to destroy the Jake the Snake character. He thought that would make WCW better. No. It just made you weaker because you killed off a guy. Who could draw you money. And he's absolutely right. He was still hot. Very hot. In WWF when he came over to WCW. That's why the original president was paying him multi-million dollars. He wanted to see Bill Watts get fired, and that kind of worked out. It actually didn't have anything to do with him, but there was some, some controversial statements that Bill Watts made before even coming to the WWE. And, you know, so... So, what have you. So, Ted Turner did let Bill Watts go. But, basically, this guy led his... And I'm talking about Bill Watts here. He led his personal ego in the past, interrupt any type of business, true business decision. Now, I mentioned that this guy never won a title in the WWF for WWE. However, he was a nine-times heavyweight champion and seven other promotions. He was also a four-time TV champion, two-time tag team champion, and a one-time six-man tag team champion. So he had the accolades to And everybody knew him. Like I said, even though he never held a title in the WWE, you still knew that name and his gimmick. And I just feel that WCW, if they could have stepped in a little bit sooner and honored that contract and maybe did some research before hiring a guy who already had controversy around him and they knew this before bringing him into, which he was supposedly later on fired for, it's just ridiculous and shows how, and I'm just going to have to say this piss for manage the WCW was from the beginning. Uh, so that's my pick this, uh, episode, sir, your thoughts. That's a
0: great pick. And, you know, I do remember that, that whole controversy surrounding, uh, Jake Roberts move from the WWF to WCW and finding out that he was, they weren't going to honor his contract when Bill Watts came in and, Bill Watts, obviously, was a well-regarded promoter, especially for his work with the UWF and Mid-South Wrestling back in the day. But by 1992, most promoters and wrestlers at that that point thought that Bill Watts' style of booking was very outdated. And I remember he also had a brief stint in the World Wrestling Federation, I think in 1995, as the booker. Um, and he only lasted a few months at that point, but yeah, the, the, the injustice they did Jake Roberts during his time in WCW, that just goes to show you how, you know, when someone's personal feelings get in the way of the job, it can totally just, just destroy a product. And I mean, a lot of, a lot of people were shocked that WCW and, you know, around 92 or 93 didn't, didn't fold because they were in they were in bad financial shape at the time. Their, their ratings weren't doing well. They weren't really drawing well in terms of their pay-per-view and live attendance numbers. I mean, fortunately under the leadership of Eric Bischoff, they were able to turn it around and lasted another decade. But, um, yeah, Jake Roberts, one of the, definitely one of those guys where poor booking uh, just kind of doomed his character, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: I agree. Uh Um, And it's amazing because normally, (laughs) especially back then, when a superstar comes from another company to the WWE, that's usually how the WWE treats them back then. However, Jake the Snake, and you never burn, and and Vince McMahon has taught us anything. He's taught us this. You never truly burn bridges in the wrestling business because Jake the Snake actually went back to WWE for a while, after all this happened. So imagine holding up your boss <laughs> to let you out of your contract, and then going back to work for that boss just uh, just uh, less than two years later. Boy, oh boy! You know, first of all, that's got to take you've got to have some pretty big cojones to pull something like that off, and then the second, basically, uh you got to have a little bit of be willing to eat some humble pie. So. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get into today's show with the AEW Dynamite results. And uh, the first one that we have listed was the AEW World Championship and Dynamite Diamond Ring Match. You had the absolute Ricky Starks versus MJF, the winner by pinfall, MJF. No surprise there. I will say that Ricky Starks looked very good in this match. I was never, I was never on the edge of my seat thinking he was going to pull off a victory. However, he, you know, he he wrestled a good, ma- a very good match. I did not appreciate that stupid Brian Danielson running out there after the match and sticking his nose where it didn't belong. But anyways, that happened. Your thoughts, sir?
0: Yeah, I knew this was going to be a showcase for Ricky Starks. Uh, there was never a doubt in my mind that MJF was going to retain, especially on an episode of dynamite and the fact that he's only been champion for a short time in the grand scheme, but it was still a good showcase for both guys. It looks to me like they're planting the seeds for MJF's next feud, which is probably going to be with the American dry dragon, Brian Danielson. Um, so that'll be interesting. But, uh, yeah, I thought this was a good, thought this was a good match, a good showcase overall.
1: So I'm guessing Brian Danielson, Came out to interrupt MJF to attack him because of William Regal. I'm guess that's what they're playing off of.
0: Yeah, I would I would imagine that's probably the reason because I don't remember recently MJF and Brian Danielson having any sort of altercation. It's just they're going back to the history that um, Brian Danielson has with William Regal and the fact that. I mean, William Regal's last time on, on live television, he was laid out by MJF.
1: Yeah, so let's continue a storyline with a guy who's no longer with our company. <laughs> I don't know. That's Tony Khan for you. Then we had the best of seven series for the AW World's Trio Championship. The Elite versus Death Triangle. Death Triangle won again by using that stupid, stupid hammer. Now, though, Kenny Omega, after the match, uh, and I really enjoyed what he had to say, the next match on this week's Dynamite coming up next week, I should say, is a no-DQ match. And if this match goes, if this uh, tournament goes to seven matches, the final match is going to be a ladder match, which I think is fantastic. So I like these new stipulations that they're putting this and they should, if you're going to have the best out of seven with the same two tag teams or trio tag teams, whatever you call them, same competitors, switch it up, switch it up. And now they're taking that hammer out of the equation. And there you go. We're going to see that triangle, how truly, truly they do suck when it comes to the elite's
0: your thoughts? Well, I, would, I wouldn't throw Death Triangle under the bus that much, but there is no question that they've been a little over-reliant on that hammer. And now that the, it's going to be a level playing field, uh, I, I, the, you know, the elite can bust out some of their own weapons. And I do agree with you, I, and I actually kind of wish that because this was a best-of-seven series, I almost wish that every single match in the series would have had a different stipulation. Like, one match could have just been a traditional you know, six-man tag match, another one could have been a, a no disqualification match another one could have been a ladder match another one could have been a tables match. i i mean there's a million different things they could have done and i think that would have been that would have made it more interesting from the very beginning rather than just having the same two trios teams uh, compete in a series of seven matches but i'm glad they're at least adding some new stipulations now as they start to round out the series
1: yeah and uh i was thinking about this And one of those matches that I think would be awesome if they ever do anything like this again, especially a six man tag tournament would be a captain's match. The captain of one team, it's a singles match captain of one team versus the captain of another team. And if your captain wins, you advance, you have another victory under your belt. What, what do you think about that? I thought about that earlier this week after what, uh, Listening to Tony Khan's new stipulations on this match.
0: Yeah, again, that would that that would mix it up a little bit um, and make it less predictable or less, uh, you know, le- le- less of them just kind of doing the same old thing in each match. I mean, I mean, both teams obviously are crazy talented, but it, 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 even even they are going to run out of things to do after after a few matches. So, I mean, I mean, you've got to you've got to throw in some stipulations, some new some new match types to make it interesting.
1: Especially if you're going to go, if you're going to take it all the way to seven and it looks like that's what they're going to do. So then the next match, we have, uh, the return of Ruby Soho versus Tay Malo. Ruby Soho won the match by pinfall. Here's what I don't like about this match. First of all, it's one of those matches that I could really care less. However, Ruby Soho, when did she become indestructible? She was hit with everything in the world at the end of this match. And could not could not keep her shoulders down for the one two three. She's not that good of a competitor, and people do not have that short of a memory. <laughs> so, your thoughts on the match, sir?
0: Yeah, it was it wasn't bad. Um, I was assuming Ruby Soho was going to win this match to to even the odds with with Tay Mello. Um I just hope this isn't one of those feuds that they keep dragging out. Now, I, I really think that both wrestlers can move on from this. Let's let's have Ruby Soho feud with somebody else, and same thing with Tay Mello. I you know I just I don't think that they need to get more out of this because next thing you know, they'll drag Sammy Guevara and Eddie Kingston back into this feud. We've already seen them wrestle a million times and have real life animosity. Let's just let's just have this one and done, and move on to something else for both female wrestlers.
1: Yeah, and it, and let's face it. If we're if we're truly honest about it, neither one of these female wrestlers are upper card contenders. They're both mid to lower cards. So yeah, I'm I agree one hundred percent. Let's not waste any more TV time, which is very precious with this company because they have superstars <laughs> that I just don't understand. They're not putting on there enough. Uh, Hook, one of their champions. Why is he not on there more? Uh, don't get me started on that. Anyways. Yeah, I agree. Next match, the House of Black versus the Factory. Winner, House of Black absolutely destroyed, destroyed the Factory. I thought this was great. Once again, they showed the strength of this group. There's no gray area. They come straight at you. Alexander Black looked like the leader. The blackout that he did to Q Marshall was fantastic and spot on. This was my favorite match of the entire episode. Your thoughts.
0: Oh yeah, these guys are back and better than ever and it's about time because the inconsistent booking that was happening with them prior to them taking a hiatus from television, I mean, was just it's just baffling. I mean, these these three guys are way too talented and I mean, Julia Hart's also there with them as well. Um so uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm ha- I'm happy with the way they booked this. Let's Let's hope it continues.
1: Julia Hart, I have to say, is a hundred times better at her job right now than she was before they went on break or she ever was with the Varsity Blues or whatever their uh, name was. She she looked awesome (laughs) Wednesday. I mean, her character, she reminded me of an up-and-coming Alexa Bliss. I thought she was great. And then we had the uh, last match of the evening, which was a a shocker. Uh, Chris Jericho faced uh, a competitor who's making his debut, Action, Action Andrade. That's really his name, Action Andrade. And he upset Jericho by pinfall. Why? What was the purpose of this? Who is this guy? Why would you have Jericho put over somebody like Cesario and lose his title and then come on to a, I mean, is, is he getting ready to retire and go into full-time commentating? I don't know. I, I just, this baffles me a lot. I've never heard of Action Andrade. Couldn't find a whole lot about him either after the match because I went immediately and tried to research him. So, I don't
0: don't get it. Your thoughts? I read somewhere, I, I didn't get to watch this whole match. I only got to watch bits and pieces of it, including the ending. Um Most people were assuming this was going to be an easy squash for Jericho because this Action Andretti guy is is so new. I think he's competed on AEW Dark a few times, but he's super new to the wrestling business in general. Um, So Jericho putting him over, people are comparing it to when Scott Hall put over the 1-2-3 kid back in the day in the WWF in their early days. Um, because it was just such a shocker. It's like, who is this guy? Why is he on AEW television? And what? What? He just pinned Chris Jericho, the goat. Um. Yeah. Uh, my question is, I mean, they have this guy win this match a, a, against Jericho, and now he's Action Andretti is all elite. Um. Is this novelty is going to wear off after a while? Like he might score another pinfall victory in a rematch against Jericho. Maybe he'll score a couple more upset victories. I'm just talking hypothetically, but then he's going to get lost in the shuffle. Um, So I I don't know what his future is going to hold. And yeah, I don't know what they're doing with Chris Jericho's storyline right now. I haven't heard anything about him considering retiring, but I do know that he's someone that doesn't mind putting younger talent over and I can respect that about him. But I just think we need to get get a little bit more clear on what's what Chris Jericho's future holds.
1: And they kind of sowed a seed with Daniel Garcia on Dynamite as well. Don't know if you got a chance to, to catch that. But Jericho basically took Garcia and put him under Sam, Sammy Guevara. And you could tell Garcia doesn't like that. So... Something's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to split up this group or or what have you. I think it'd be a shame if they did, but something's getting ready to uh, break down. Did you see that, what I'm talking about with Garcia and Guevara?
0: Yeah, and uh, you could tell Daniel Garcia, who's really been taking the lead from Jericho himself, he's like, what do you mean I'm going to uh, take the lead from Sammy Guevara? What are you, kidding me?
1: Yeah, it's, so it's going to be interesting how that breaks down. So let's go over the uh, Rampage match card for tonight. And basically what I'll do, uh, Mr. Cage, is I'll just go through them and then I'll let you uh, uh, comment on, on whichever one. There's not a whole lot. Uh, so, Sounds sound good? Sounds good. All right. So the first one I'm showing is uh, John Moxley. Uh, he will be facing Sammy Guevara tonight. FTR is supposed to cut a promo thanking the fans for their support at Final Battle. Uh, this is just me talking now. I look for them to call out the gun club after finally getting to watch final battle. Yeah. I look for them to call out Billy's kids. So that should be interesting. Uh, Britt Baker versus sky blue Orlo is back in action. Uh, he will face, uh, Ex- exodus prime. Uh, so look for Samoa Joe. If he's there, rumor is that they will, those two will be facing off and actually fighting on winners coming dynamite. On December 28th so that should be interesting and then the last match announced is uh Dustin Rhodes Orange Cassidy Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor versus the Butcher of the Blade Trent Trent Seven and Kip Savian huh so that should be interesting as well uh but anyways uh your thoughts on any of those matches sir
0: why are John Moxley and Sammy Guevara still wrestling I, I mean, I guess we still have this feud going on with the Blackpool Combat Club and Jericho Appreciation Society, which the name the Blackpool Combat Club doesn't make a whole lot of sense now that William Regal is no longer there. I feel like they should give that staple a different name. Um, as far as who's going to win the match, I guess John Moxley is going to walk away with the victory. Um, Britt Baker is definitely not going to lose to Sky Blue. Um, so Dr. Britt Baker, DMD will be victorious in that match. Can FTR just please squash the gun club in a match and make everyone happy and move on from this feud? I mean, they're, they're, they're too good for this. They're, they're above wrestling the gun club, in my opinion. Um, Wardlow, yeah, Wardlow, will hit the powerbomb sym- symphony on this Exodus prime guy. And that'll be the end of that match. Um, th- this is just, this is just a warm up, uh, for him to face Samoa Joe and probably win back the TNT title. My guess is, and, um, I'm actually going to go with, uh, Dustin Rhodes and company to win their, uh, to win their, uh, tag team match on, uh, on Rampage actually.
1: What? You're going to have Dustin Rhodes and Orange
0: Cassidy beat the blade and Kip Sabian and the Butcher. I mean, we haven't really heard much from those guys in recent months, so why not? Well, Trent
1: 7 he just he just left his group, right? The Dark Order and joined this group. So, I don't know. You it, it, it'll be interesting. Aha, no comment. I thought you were going to say something.
0: <laughs> well, Trent 7 just is is from WWE NXT and NXT UK. Um he he's a new arrival in AEW. So, I got
1: him messed up with the number 10 mask guy. Okay?
0: That that's uh, Preston Vance, which I think he has a sit down interview coming up with Jim Ross.
1: About time we need we haven't got any answers on that at all. <laughs> so. All right, so let's move on to Monday Night Raw results, and what a way to start! And this is actually how the show uh, the show started on Monday night. Alexa Bliss took on Bailey for the number one contender for Old Pony Hill Girls title. Alexa Bliss won the match. Thought that was great. Here's the best part of it, though. Her ponytail hair girl comes out to the ring. Or she's already out there. She gets in the ring. Congratulates Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss snaps for just a second and starts to do the sister Abigail to the EST. (laughs) And then she comes to herself apologizes and leaves so yes 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 give me more of this she is going to something that's going to happen with the bray wyatt character and alexa bliss finally finally and they do they have showed promos and behind her promos like the upside down firefly and what have you but this was her actually doing something and if you guys remember back when bray wyatt first left And they were having her do kind of his character on her own. She could do something and make other wrestlers like days out. And she could kind of control them. She made uh, Nia Jax hit Shayna Baszler. I mean, hit Reggie, her supposedly boyfriend at that time. It it was just crazy. And that's kind of the same look that she had when she snapped out of uh, the sister Abigail attempt. I thought this was great. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, it's about time we saw a character change from Alexa Bliss. I never understood why she was teaming with Bianca Belair and Asuka. That whole pairing never made any sense to me. And she's so much better as a heel anyway. Um, And since they never closed the door officially on her storyline with Bray Wyatt, we need to see some sort of uh, resolution to that. Or they just need to pair those two up again in you know if this is going to be an actual Wyatt 6 stable. But I'm but yeah, I mean I'm just I'm just glad they're giving her something interesting to do finally.
1: What uh and what's really interesting and intrigues me about this story is is it Bray Wyatt doing this or is it Uncle Howdy? <laughs> Bray Wyatt, you would think she cost him the match at WrestleMania versus Randy Orton. You would think that he would not be happy with her. And Uncle Howdy, we you can tell that he is the dark force behind Bray White's character, wanting him to do things that Bray White no longer wants to do. So they're at odds. So I'm just wondering which one is recruiting her.
0: Uh, that's a good point you brought up, Kentucky guy. I'm I'm leaning more towards it being Uncle Howdy is the uh, is the puppet master behind all the goings on.
1: And that's going to be and that and I and I and, you know. I love Warren, uh, but I do think that he's wrong about this. All joking aside, Uncle Howdy is a different person than Bray Wyatt. I do not believe it's Bray Wyatt. I I don't believe that Bray Wyatt's going to have six different personalities because that's too much like Mick Foley days. And we know that Bray beats, he goes to a, he goes, he goes to a different drummer. He beats to a different drummer and he does not try to copy anybody. He does his own thing which I've always appreciated. Next, we had the number one contender. Now, I don't know if the rest of these are in order or not, but uh, the number one contender's match for the U.S. title, currently held by Austin Theory, and this was Rollins versus Bobby Lashley. (laughs) Bobby Lashley is beaten by Seth Rollins by pinfall. Then he puts his... Bobby Lashley just... He's got a real real issue with authority here lately so he kind of snaps after the match a little bit i've seen him worse and he puts his hands on uh pierce the raw general manager or i don't know what his official title is but i guess he's general manager of both shows now anyways he fires bobby lashley in front of everybody right there on camera television and what have you now Two days later, he did issue a statement to announce that Lashley's firing has been rescinded and that he and Bobby will have a sit-down and sit down and have a talk real soon to figure out how to move forward. Quote, despite what I said last night, Bobby Lashley is not fired, Pierce said. Pierce said that Lashley's behavior is unacceptable and will be uh, addressed with repercussions. Pierce apologized for letting his emotions get the better of him in the heat of the moment and i you know i know they plan everything out but you could tell pierce man he's a lot better actor than what i thought he was if that was all fake because he was hot he was hot and when he said you're fired i i didn't know what to think (laughs) your thoughts
0: adam pierce you, you should know better you do not do not do not tick off the almighty. He will put you in the hurt lock. He will slam you through the barricade. He is, he's a dangerous man. And when he wants to get his hands on a title belt, you better not stand in his way because these are going to be the repercussions. That being said, I I don't condone putting your hands on a uh, company official. So Bobby should have, kept his anger in, a, in check a little bit, and maybe taken his anger out more on Seth Rollins. But uh, it looks like Seth is going to be challenging Austin Theory for the United States title. Should It should again be a good match. I hope they lean into the history between those two a little bit more, um, because well, a long time ago, Austin Theory was a follower of Seth Rollins when he was the Monday Night Messiah. So, they should definitely reference that. But as far as Bobby Lashley, um, I don't think he's going to be remained uh, just as Adam Pierce himself said. I don't think he's going to be fired for much longer.
1: Uh, he's he, They've already rescinded it. Uh, he's, not, he's not fired right now. He is, uh, I don't know. I have to kind of disagree with you, though, about standing in Bobby Lashley's way because Pierce, really was just trying to calm him down so he didn't hit a referee or anything and he put his hands on him he was completely out of line and he's not the i don't care what they call him almighty whatever he, he he's just a man <laughs> he's a good athlete but he's just a man and uh his behavior here lately is uh pretty stupid turn him full heel and put him back with mvp if that's what you want to do but don't don't keep him on the they're kind of wanting him to be a face in a hill and the fans actually just don't know what to do with him. And it's, uh, you know, it's confusing. And then we have AJ Styles. He fought against Chad Gables. AJ Styles actually, uh, defeated Chad via pinfall. This match here, I thought was pretty good. I think it showed a lot of strength for AJ in this match, even though Otis tried to get involved a couple of times. It, it showed how tr- a true leader actually works with his team on the outside. And, yeah, I enjoyed this match. I, you know, Chad Gable, I guess he's just going to put people over from now on, and that's fine, especially when their name is uh, AJ Styles. So, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, it was a good match. Um, figured AJ was going was to win this one because they're still pushing the uh, Judgment Day OC feud. Um, this was just a little stopgap. But these two always these two are always great in the ring and regardless of who walked away with the win or the loss, I, I knew it was going to be an entertaining match.
1: Yeah. I I, I think it's time for Chad Gable. I'm gonna say this and I'll let you comment because you <laughs> this a lot of people might find this controversial, but just my opinion. I think it's time for Chad Gable and Otis to split. That's just my opinion. I think it's time for those guys to Go their separate ways. Uh,
0: I actually wouldn't disagree with you, Kentucky guy. Um, I don't think they've done much with Alpha Academy, at least not as much as they could do. And, um, I mean, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I think once they do split, if and when they do, um, I don't think Otis is going to be around for much longer because what are they really going to do with him at this point? Um, Chad Gable, at least, you know, he's a great worker, and, he, and he's gotten way better on the mic in recent years as well. So I'm confident that he could at least stick around. Um, if, if anything, just to have good matches on television with different wrestlers, but, um, you know, Otis, not that I have anything really against him, but he just, I don't, I, I don't see what use they're going to have for him. If it, if, and when alpha Academy breaks up.
1: Yeah. He's not going to make the cut. I agree. Same thing with the, the guy on, uh, what was his name? He teams with uh, Bianca Belair's husband, Montez Ford. Uh, He's you know that team breaks up. He's gone.
0: Angelo Dawkins, yeah.
1: So the Judgment Day, they actually had a oh okay, so they actually defeated the Street Profits (laughs) Uh, and uh, Akira via pinfall. Thought that was great. I thought it demonstrated once again how strong. Dominic Mysterio is with this group. He was actually, <laughs> he fell after Damian Priest did the, uh, did the damage. However, I thought it was, uh, that was pretty good. The Judgment Day needed to win. They didn't need the win, but they should keep winning every time they're on Raw to show that they are the dominant faction. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, I, I, no but I absolutely think they needed the win because like you just said, they've got to be shown to be dominant. And even though Finn Bálor lost In singles competition to AJ Styles at Survivor Series, he didn't look weak in defeat. Um, So, I mean, Judgment Day needs to just keep racking up as many wins as they can. Um, I know some people are going to say, well, doesn't it make the Street Profits look weak? Well, the Street Profits aren't in any title contention right now. So, it's really, it, 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 it does less for, a win doesn't do a whole lot for them a win does a ton for the Judgment Day because they beat they beat the former tag team champions.
1: The Street Profits lost the last five tag team title attempts in a row. <laughs> so, yeah, they don't need to be in the title picture for a long time unless it's the NXT titles. Go follow your boys New Day over there. <laughs> the uh, ladder match between Dexter Loomis and The Miz is set for next week. Uh, Loomis was using the money he received from the mix to buy and hand out merchandise to the fans with Johnny Gargano when Miz attacked and stole the bag of money back. And then Adam Pearce once again ordered the Miz to return the money. So basically what it's going to do is they're going to hang the money above. Uh, It's double or nothing, by the way. Miz has got to (laughs) put more cash in there next next Monday Night Raw. And it's going to be a ladder match with a bag hanging in the air like a briefcase or a title belt full of cash one thing i want to note just one week after on our episode you and i talked about why don't they bring johnny gargano his wife at least once in a while and dexter loomis together they started doing it so i don't know which official in the wwe listens our podcast but we'd like a little bit of credit Cause this keeps happening.
0: Yeah. I mean, a little, a little, uh, some, some small royalties would be nice
1: or at least a shout out on raw or,
0: or a shout out, a shout. Out, exactly.
1: Your thoughts on the match.
0: Yeah. I mean, it would be foolish to not have Dexter Loomis win here because again, he's, he's brand new to the main roster and you want to have him keeping some momentum going. And especially if you're going to pair him up with Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae going forward. Um, Actually, kind of makes me wonder if they'll eventually bring Indy Hartwell back up to the main roster, um, and and team her with these guys because of her history with Dexter Loomis. But um, in story, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they'll refer to the group as the Way or anything like that. But um, but yeah, I mean, at least they're, at least they're they're reminding us that hey, these these guys were a faction at one point. They they they, they were connected in the storyline.
1: I wonder in the storyline, is Dexter Loomis still married to Indy, or did anything happen there?
0: Uh, as far as I know, they were still married around the time that Dexter Loomis was released from his contract.
1: Gotcha, because I remember when he was released, she was all sad, but she never said his name. Backstage, she had an argument with somebody, so. Yeah. Awesome. And then we had Sky who faced Candice LeRae, and actually pinned Candice LeRae for the win. Uh, she did have a little bit of help there, but uh, that moonsault that she hit as her final move was spectacular. I thought it was great.
0: Uh, your thoughts. EO has one of the best moonsaults in the business. So it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, obviously EO can win the match fair and square. We know that, but she is a part of damage control. And the whole part of that, of that team right now is to show that they have strength in numbers. So it makes total sense that someone's going to help her to secure the victory. You know, once again, Candice LeRae didn't look too weak in defeat, but Eos Guy looked dominant, as she should be looking.
1: Right, and you just had the week before Candice LeRae pin your leader, Bailey, in the middle of the ring. So, yeah, having her, Eos guy, having showing that she had a little bit of help makes Candice LeRae not look as weak, as you said, and also makes uh, Eosky you know, makes her look tough. So good. Somebody that did not look tough at all was Elias who got the crap kicked out of him by solo Sequoia and was defeated via pinfall. Uh, (laughs) I mean, he had a couple, I guess, okay moments, but Elias, but this guy just dominated him and, uh, I was there for it. Your thoughts?
0: You know, um, I think it's great that solo is still being built up to look, Super strong, you know. Again, we talked in the past about how he reminds us a lot of Uma of the late great Umaga. Um, so that's very smart booking there. You know, I, I used to be a fan of Elias when he would do his uh, his musical set, his musical concert segments, and everything. Um, he's much more entertaining when he's in a city and he's playing the guitar and he's insulting the fans. Um, I don't know why they're booking him the way they are right now. It's almost like they're booking him the same way they booked his brother, Ezekiel, um, before he, before he was written off of television. Um, but they're just having him play Elias now as original character. Um, so, I mean, I'd like to see a character shift in the future for Elias personally. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sola Sokoa going over here makes per- makes perfect sense. He's part of the bloodline. I mean, bloodlines on top of the world right now
1: yeah my question is i never was an elias fan why even bring this guy back i i, I didn't understand it when he came back a few weeks ago and i still don't understand it especially if you brought him back to you didn't do anything different to him he's got the same boring finishing move he's got the same boring routine with the guitar and he still loses yeah why is he he reminds me of the hit row <laughs> What's the use?
0: Let, 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 let's not let's not go that far and say he's hit row bad, but uh, but, but I, I understand you're not a fan of of his, and that's fine. Um, but I do agree with you. Why do you bring somebody back if you're not going to really utilize them well? And that goes that goes for any talent that's in the com- that's in the company right now. I mean, are they really doing that much with Braun Strowman right now, as an example? I mean, there was a ton of hype. When he came back, and yeah, he's picked up some victories on pay per views and everything, but what's he really done of true significance?
1: Right. Well, Braun Strowman and Elias are complete opposites, right? Elias shouldn't even be in the wrestling organization. So here's the thing the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You know, at least they put Santa Claus pants on Braun Strowman. They didn't do anything to this Elias character. Nothing. They didn't change it at all. I would prefer they just kept a stupid brother in there if they were going to do this. Rhea Ripley, another dominant factor in the Judgment Day. She defeated Asuka via pinfall. Asuka looked okay in the match, but let's just be honest. Rhea Ripley pretty much dominated it all, as she should. And I think that if they're smart, They need to start etching her towards a title or being in the picture for a title, either on Raw or SmackDown. Um, Your thoughts?
0: Totally agree. Rhea has been due for a title run for quite a while now. And I mean, I would not be opposed to her being the one to defeat Bianca Belair. I don't know if that's the match that is in the cards right now, or if that's the plan for WrestleMania. But, uh, I would certainly not be opposed to a Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, uh, feud. I think it'd be, it would be, uh, as triple H used to say, it would be best for business.
1: Right. But don't forget Alexa bliss. I think she's going to be the one with help to take that title way before WrestleMania. We'll see. We'll see. The writing's on the wall. Now, one thing before we move to SmackDown, the match card, and I know we're running out of time, I did want to bring up because I was able to 100% confirm this. Now, I heard this a couple weeks ago. However, you guys know that I do not like to report anything unless I have pretty solid evidence that it is true. It was all over the dirt sheets, all over the rumor mills. However, that doesn't mean anything to me until I talk to actual sources. It has been confirmed that Matt Riddle is in rehab. He's not injured. He does have a substance abuse issue. With Unfortunately, we see a lot of athletes go through this. And he is in rehab. For how long, I do not know. He is still under contract with the WWE. They have not released him. But do not look for him to be back on the show for a while. Uh, your thoughts on that, sir?
0: Well, as I understand it, he uh, actually had failed two drug tests, and that's what prompted uh, this decision to take him off television and uh, and send him to rehab, basically, uh, which, you know, if he has issues in real life, then I'm hoping he's going to get those under control and that we're not going to have another Jeff Hardy situation on our hands. Um, you know, when people are dealing with addiction, it's it's never easy. Uh, you know, personal demons are a tough thing. Uh, I, I hope Riddle's back on TV soon. I hope he can get over this hurdle. But uh, WWE is doing the right thing by uh, by pulling him on TV and basically forcing him to, to deal with these issues.
1: Yeah, here's, here's my issue. Why does it always have to be these guys that so many little kids look up to? Why can't it be the... I mean, I don't want anybody to have this disease. I know it's a horrible disease addiction but it seems like it's always like Jeff Hardy you mentioned Riddle uh Eddie Guerrero or Eddie Eddie Guerrero back in the day it's always these wrestlers who these little kids look up to and I'm not a Matt Riddle fan you know that but you see the kids in the crowd with his shirt and his merchandise I just that that's that's the part that kind of is so touchy Cause you feel for that. You feel for him. You feel for his parents or whomever, you know, who's in his life, his family. I don't know if he's married or not. I I don't know enough about Riddle. However, you've got to think about your little fans too. I know it's a disease and I I hope him speedy recovery, but as far as coming back on TV in front of these kids, take your time, make sure you're right. Get it right. If you can't get it right, then the company needs to walk away sooner than later. Do not do it. Do not pull another Jeff Hardy stunt because it does not work and it makes you look horrible in the end, which this company hopefully has learned from that. Anywho, let's move on to SmackDown Match Card. It looks like uh, for tonight, we have the Hit Row, your favorite group, by the way, will be taking on Ligado del Fantasma and they will also be taking on The Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar. This should be—I don't know. I I think the Viking Raiders are going to destroy them. Uh, I'll let you comment on all these once I go through them. But I don't know. Uh, It it doesn't seem like a very exciting match to me. Uh, The WWE's uh, women's tag team championship is on the line. Damage Control versus Liv Morgan and Tegan Knox. I I don't understand this Tegan Knox this sudden obsession with her by these announcers and talking about her history. Okay. Yeah. She was okay in NXT, but she wasn't the future or anything. And, uh, by the way, by the way, uh, I guess we need to address this real quick. NXT fans, Mandy Rose is no longer your women's championship. She's no longer the title holder. Want to know why there were some, and this has been confirmed unprovocative photos of her that leaked online and this is her punishment and you guys can say what you want do your own research but just think about it how long did she have that title and to lose it on a episode a normal episode of nxt just saying and then the last match announced was uh it's going to be for the intercontinental championship gunther versus ricochet seen it done it Gunther or kill him once again. No problem. Your thoughts on uh, SmackDown lineup, sir?
0: Well, I definitely think we are not seeing a new Intercontinental champion. I think Gunther is, this is a, uh, you know, Ricochet. I'll put up a little bit of a fight, but Gunther is definitely going to uh, win this match. And I don't know if you've heard some of the uh, other rumors about a possible matchup for Gunther at, during WrestleMania season, but there is a rumor that we could potentially see the Ring General take on Cowboy Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. It is not confirmed, but it is a very strong rumor that's making the rounds right now. And I would be there for that match if it does happen. That 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 could be a match of the year contender, in my opinion, if it happens. Um, let's see. So the uh, women's tag match. Yeah, I'm sure Liv Morgan and Tegan Knox will put up. Will put up a good match, but, uh, I don't see damage control dropping the belts this soon. Definitely not. Um, Tegan Knox, of course, does have history with Dakota Kai. They were best friends and then bitter enemies in NXT. So there's that personal history there. If I were booking SmackDown, the Viking Raiders absolutely 100% would win that, uh, that triple threat tag match. That's going to take place. Um, You know, I have nothing against Legato, Del Fantasma, but right now the Viking Raiders are the ones that should be booked uh, to win. And uh, Hit Row basically should just, uh, should be working back in catering at this point. (laughs) Um, I do want to address the Mandy Rose thing. Uh, I'm actually glad you brought that up, Kentucky guy, because I was going to ask you this question. So here's my thing about that. I totally understand the WWE's reasoning because they want to clean up their image. And if one of their champions is on a, on a website where she's putting up all these racy photos of herself, you know, it's not the best look for the company, but here's the one thing I will say in defense of Mandy Rose, apparently she had had this site up and these racy photos for a while. And no one had ever said anything to her. No one had given her any sort of warning or said, Mandy, we're not going to stop you from having this fan site, but can you at least tone down some of your photos? Um, and I don't know the details of her contract. Maybe she had something written in her contract that said she couldn't do that kind of stuff outside of WWE, even though, again, based on what I've read, she was free to pretty much do what she wanted because she's an NXT talent currently and not on the main roster and let's also not forget that years ago wwe was constantly promoting all the different women on their roster that were in playboy magazine um that was many years ago but it it did happen nonetheless so i don't think wwe did right by just outright releasing mandy rose at least not with without giving her any sort of prior warning I understand taking the belt off of her, and I think if they wanted to suspend her for a little while, then that would have been the best way to go. But I don't think firing her outright was the best course of action. Um, yeah, I mean that's just those are just my thoughts. Okay, so, so
1: now I haven't received anything saying that they released her. Did, did they have the? Has she been released?
0: Yes, she, yes, she's been released.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I did not know that. Here's the thing. We all, I knew why they took the belt from her. I mean, let's be honest about it. There was just a a brand new documentary. Another woman came out against Vince McMahon. So, of course, when you have one of your champions, kind of not the same thing, but kind of not in a very good light. They've got to do something and do something quick. I get that. But I did not realize that they released her. And let me be honest with you. I'm here for Gunther... Versus Brock Lesnar as well. That will be fantastic. Mandy Rose. I mean. I'm sorry if that happened. But. (laughs) Brock Lesnar versus Gunther. Has got my attention now. And I think that's going to be. A fantastic. Fantastic match. If that was to come to tuition. One last thing on Smackdown. Last uh, on Raw. Jey Uso. coach Sammy. Zane to get a haircut basically cuz you never know what's going to happen. I'm wondering Roman Reigns is set to appear on SmackDown tonight. I just wonder everybody's thinking I know what everybody's thinking. They're thinking that he's going to make him an official uso but what about let's just throw this out there. What about if if he goes the opposite way and they turn on Sami Zayn tonight? Just throwing that out there.
0: Your thoughts? Uh, they could end up doing a little bit of both. They might um, make him think, at least. They might make it, make Sammy think that he's going to be an official Uso. They might go ahead and call him that. and They might go through the whole ceremony and then, just out of nowhere, <laughs> Roman turns around and hits him with a Superman punch or something <laughs> and kicks him out of the bloodline. It could really go either way. Um, personally, if it were me... I think they should go go forward with making him a a full-blown Uso for the time being. I don't think it's the right time to kick Sammy out of the bloodline and end this storyline just yet. I would wait until the start of the new year at the very least before you went that route. I just think that right now this storyline is too good as is, and to to, to split Sammy from the bloodline at this point, I, I don't think that would be the right way to go.
1: Yeah, and the only reason why I mentioned that is because things have been too good. If that makes sense, since Survivor Series, Sammy and the blood and the Usos are buddy, buddy and everybody's laughing. I mean, but you still have that storyline there with Kevin Owens that you've got to play out one way or the other. So I'm kind of like you, I can't see it really happening tonight, but it'd be, I would advise everybody that watches the show tonight to pay attention to Roman Reigns's face, not what he says, but his face when he looks at, and when he speaks to Sammy Zayn, That's just my advice. Anyway, sir, that's all I have for today's episode. What about yourself?
0: Yeah, I am. I am good. Kentucky all right, folks, so
1: you've been listening to against the mat wrestling podcast mm-hmm. with your hostess, Donnie cage and the Kentucky guy. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Remember the next show will be our Christmas show. And as always, God bless and God bless America.